do please have a Bible open to Luke chapter 12 and verses 35 to 59. We're going to read through that passage again, think about what it means and how it applies to us as Christians today. Let's ask God for his help. Let's pray. Almighty God, our gracious and holy Heavenly Father, do please help us now to understand your word that we might be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen. When I was little, my parents uh, each year used to go away overseas. Uh, They never used to take us with them. Uh, Instead, uh, we kids, we used to love this, we used to get sent off to our grandparents and stay with them for a couple of weeks at a time. But eventually the year came when my parents thought I was grown up enough and so they allowed me to stay home by myself. I was 16 years old. My brother and my sister went to different grandparents, but I was left at home to mind the house had the house to myself for around about a week. Now, uh, my parents did say that a mate of mine could stay with me to keep me company, but what they didn't say was that my mate could talk me into hosting a party two days before my parents were due home. What they didn't say was that he could invite lots of rowdy teenagers over for this party. It was one of the worst nights of my life. Dozens of people came to my parents' house, drinking, doing drugs, dancing. I guess they were having a good time. But I spent the whole night panicking as I watched my parents' place get systematically trashed around me. The partygoers left my parents' house a mess. And despite my best 16-year-old efforts to clean up, when my parents got home, I was far away from ready. It was still a mess. Uh, My parents were, to say the least, unimpressed. And suffice to say, the next year when they went overseas, I was back at my grandma's house again. (laughs) My parents went away and I was left responsible. Responsible to look after their house, but I didn't live up to my responsibilities. And when they got back, I wasn't prepared. In this next section of Luke's Gospel, uh, Jesus talks about a similar kind of thing. He talks about us being prepared for when he returns. It's talking about when he returns to earth in glory to judge this world. Now, Jesus starts off with an illustration. The illustration is of a master who's gone off to a wedding banquet. Uh, Wedding banquets in those days, they uh, they they could go for a week or so at a time. But at any time, this master could return home. And uh, Jesus says the servants need to be ready ready to open the door and welcome their master. And then if they're ready, Jesus says, with a lovely little twist on the story, he says they'll actually join with the master in a banquet of their own and he'll serve them. Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. Have a look with me. Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. Jesus is speaking and he says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lambs burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he'll dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and we'll come and wait on them. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. Jesus uses another illustration. This time it's the illustration of a thief. Think about thieves. 
They don't ring in advance to tell you that they're coming. Uh, you will never get a telephone call like this. Hi, uh, my name is Al. I'm a thief. Just calling to tell you that I'll be breaking into your home at 8pm uh, on the 4th of January. Would that be a convenient time for you? Not the way it happens, is it? Uh, I remember uh, um, one time when we were living in Newtown, we were asleep in our bed and uh, a thief broke into our home, climbed up on a window. We think it's a, a girl from the footprints that she left. She climbed up through an, uh, through an upstairs window, uh, took Carmelina's wallet and handbag and jewellery from downstairs and then came up to the bed where we were sleeping, took Carmelina's engagement ring and wedding ring and eternity ring sitting on her bedside table but beside us while we were right there in bed asleep. She didn't take anything of mine. I don't think I probably don't have anything worth taking, but she took lots of Carmelina's stuff. Um, uh, quite a successful night out for that thief. And I would argue that part of the secret of her success was that we didn't know she was coming. If we'd known she was coming, we'd have been there ready for her. We'd have sat at the window uh, and politely asked her, please don't break into our home this evening, this morning. Thieves rely on the element of surprise. So if you want to protect your house from a thief, you have to be ready at all times. Verse 39. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. All right, what do these illustrations mean? In, in the first story, the master is... Who's the master that's gone away for the wedding? The master is... Jesus, I'm going to say Jesus, is that what everybody else is thinking? Okay, he's gone away for the wedding banquet, that's him going away after his death and resurrection into heaven, and his return that could be at any time is his return to this world, I think this is talking about the second coming, isn't it? Um, the return of Jesus to judge the world. And what's the idea? People need to be ready. What about in the second story? In the second story, the thief, the thief is... I'm going to say Jesus again. It's, it's a bit weird, isn't it? The idea of Jesus being a thief. We just don't want to push that part of the story too hard. Um, but the, the, the idea is he's going to come back at any time without warning like a thief. The homeowner is people. And again, the point is you've got to be ready all the time. Uh, Jesus explains the point in verse 40. He, he calls himself the son of man. He could come back at any time. Like the master, like the thief, he could come back at any time and people need to be ready. Verse 40, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Now at this point, uh, Peter asks Jesus a question. He wants to know who this parable is for. Is it for Peter and the disciples? Is it, is it for Christians, shall we call them? Or is it for everybody? Who needs to be prepared for Jesus to return? Verse 41, Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Now, I think the rest of this passage is Jesus' answer to that question. Who needs to be prepared for his return? Who needs to be prepared? Uh, firstly, Jesus talks about a faithful and wise manager. His master has gone away and he's been left in charge. 
He's been entrusted with a job. He has to look after the other servants. His master has given him a responsibility and he needs to do it or face the consequences. Verse 42. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he'll put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming and he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he's not aware of. He'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And Jesus goes on to say, the more you understand the master's will, the more responsible you are to obey. The more responsibility the master gives you, the worse it will be for you if you don't fulfill that responsibility. The more you know, the more responsible you are to obey, and the worse it will be for you if you disobey. Verse 47. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. All right, let's try and interpret it again. Who's the, uh, who's the master who goes away? I think that's, that's Jesus again, isn't it? And who are the master's servants? Who's the manager that's been put in charge with the responsibility to look after others? I reckon that's Peter and the disciples. Don't you? So here's Jesus' answer to Peter's question. Is what Jesus is saying, you know, you've got to be ready for my return, is that for Peter and the disciples or is that for everyone? Well, so far, the answer is, Peter, it's definitely for you. Before you start worrying about anybody else, it is definitely for you. You've been given a job to do by the master. You have to do it. And here's the principle. The more you know and the more you've been given, the greater the responsibility you have. This definitely applies to disciples. But it's not just for disciples. Everyone needs to be ready. And that's what I think Jesus goes on to talk about next. Uh, Jesus talks about how he's going to bring fire on the earth. I think in context, he's still talking about his return when he comes to judge this world with fire. And Jesus says, Jesus says he can't wait. He can't wait for evil to be conquered, for all his enemies to be made, his footstool. He can't wait to bring judgment to this world. But as he was speaking, Jesus says there's something that needs to happen first. He says that he has a baptism to undergo. What's that talking about? Well, I think he's talking about his death on the cross, how he's going to be kind of drowned in the judgment of God on the cross. His mission at that time is not, is not to bring judgment yet. His mission at that time is to die. Verse 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo. And what constraint I am under until it is completed. 
It's not yet time for every knee to bow to King Jesus. It's not yet time for him to bring fire to this world. And so in the meantime, Jesus says there'll be division. Some people will trust and obey him. But until Judgment Day, until Jesus brings fire, there will be people who refuse to trust and obey Jesus. Even within families, therefore there will be division, Jesus says. Verse 51. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there'll be five in one family, divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Now's the time of division before Jesus comes. Everyone is called to put their trust in Jesus. Everyone needs to be ready for his return But many people won't do it. Jesus goes on to say, these people and everybody, they need to recognise the times. He says people are good at recognising weather patterns, but they need to recognise what's going on with him. They need to recognise the significance of his coming and the significance of his return. Verse 54. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? People need to understand this present time. They need to interpret the times. And here's the thing. Here's here's the big thing. Here is the, the, the most important thing that people need to know about this time in history. We have an adversary, an enemy, an adversary whom we cannot defeat, an adversary to whom we owe a massive debt, an adversary who will bring us to judgment. We have an adversary and people who understand the significance of the time, people who understand who Jesus is and what he's done, people who understand that Jesus is coming back with fire, these people will understand that the thing we need most of all is to be reconciled to this adversary before it is too late. Verse 57. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way. Or your adversary may drag you off to the judge and the judge turn you over to the officer and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, You will not get out until you have paid the last penny. I've always thought up until this week that that little passage, verse 57 to 59, sort of, what's it doing there? It doesn't make any sense in the context. Why why would he suddenly start talking about, you know, fights that you have in court? But why the free legal advice kind of out of nowhere? I think I'd never understood this until I'd seen it in the flow of the context here. And now I think I've always misunderstood this passage. This is not talking about human adversaries. Not in the flow of the context. This is talking about God, our adversary. I don't think we need to be too worried about who exactly is the magistrate, who exactly is the judge, who exactly is the officer, the prison, etc., etc. There's not an allegory that everything has to have a, a, a thing that matches. The big idea is we have an adversary. We need to be reconciled. 
God is our adversary. People are not in a neutral relationship with God. We owe God a massive, unpayable debt, and judgment day is coming. So, to come all the way back to Peter's question, remember Peter's question? Who needs to be prepared for Jesus to return? Is it Peter and the disciples? Is it just Christians, or is it everyone? What's the answer to the question? Well, definitely applies to Peter and, his, and, and the disciples. They, they really need to be prepared. It especially applies to them. They've got a job to do. They need to faithfully serve the master while they wait for him to return. And the more they know, the more they've been given, the greater the responsibility. But what Jesus says about being ready, it doesn't just apply to disciples. It applies to everyone. It applies to the whole world. Everyone needs to be prepared. Everyone needs to put their faith in Jesus. God is the adversary of all sinners. Everyone needs to be reconciled to God before it is too late. Don't be deceived by the fact that there's division and and people now reject Jesus and it seems to be okay. It's not okay. Everyone needs to be reconciled to God before it is too late, before Jesus comes back with the fire of judgment. All right. You see what's here then in this section of Luke's gospel? Um, Jesus uses all these sorts of illustrations, doesn't he? But the big idea is Jesus is going to go away. He's going to go away after his death and resurrection into heaven. Could be a long time until he comes back. But it could be any time. Jesus could return any time. And people need to be prepared. How do they need to be prepared? Well, they need to be reconciled to their adversary. They need to have their relationship with God fixed, their debt paid. How does that happen? Well, through the baptism that Jesus would undergo, through this journey to Jerusalem that he's making to die on the cross, through his death and resurrection. So there's the first thing. There's the fundamental thing. People need to rely on Jesus. That's not where it ends, though, here in this passage, is it? Because Jesus entrusts his people with a task. And the more you know, the greater the responsibility. Jesus' people need to faithfully serve their master while they wait for him to return. And Jesus is also clear about this. That's not going to be easy. It's going to mean division. It's going to mean opposition. Serving Jesus will mean opposition because his enemies will continue to be his enemies until that last day. And so even those closest to you may be your enemies, but his people need to keep serving him anyway. So here it is. Let me try to summarise that long, complicated passage just in a couple of sentences. Jesus is coming back. Everyone needs to be prepared. How do you be prepared? You've got to be reconciled to God. You've got to serve Jesus faithfully and you've got to keep doing it even if there's persecution and division. Be reconciled to God, serve Jesus faithfully and keep on doing it even if there's division and persecution. And that, I think, then leads into the application of this passage for us. Um, The fact is, we're actually living in exactly the time that Jesus is talking about in this passage, aren't we? I mean, often he's talking about 
things that were happening at the very time before his death and resurrection. But here he's talking about the time after his death and resurrection when he's in heaven and hasn't come. That's now, isn't it? What Jesus is saying, it applies right now. At any time, Jesus could return and bring this world to a fiery end. And so this passage asks you and me three important questions. Question number one, are you reconciled to God? Question number two, are you serving Jesus faithfully? And question number three, are you going to keep going, even if it means division and opposition? Are you reconciled to God? Are you serving Jesus faithfully? Will you keep going, even if it means division and opposition? Let's think a bit more about those three things. First question, are you reconciled to God? Have you been reconciled? Is he your friend and not your enemy now? I was talking recently to a mate of mine. For many years, he's been in very significant debt. He's had a massive mortgage from buying a house in Chatswood. He's got big credit card bills. He's got loans on his cars. But just recently, uh, my mate's parents died. Now, of course, he's sad about that. He didn't want his parents to die. He loved his parents. He's sad that they died. Don't take this the wrong way. But the thing is, they left him a big inheritance. With the money from his inheritance, he's paid off his mortgage. He's paid off his credit card bills. He's paid off his cars. He's debt-free. And he's got a whole heap of money now that he doesn't know what to do with. He didn't seem to agree with any of my suggestions about the you know, Presbyterian, Chatswood Presbyterian Minister's European Holiday Fund or anything like that. But uh, um, the point is this. Through the death of his parents, my friend has gone from being in deep debt to now being debt-free. Uh, friends, you and I, we have a massive debt before God, a debt of sin, a debt that we can never repay. We've never loved God like he deserves. We've never loved our neighbour like he commands. But through the death of Jesus, we can have our debt paid. And so we can be reconciled to our adversary. It's the death of Jesus that reconciles us to God. Just one verse, uh, Casey, thanks, brother. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him. How? Through being good? No. Through going to church? No. Through, through the death of his son? It's the only thing that brings peace between us and our adversary. The only thing that pays the price is the death of his son. Jesus has done what it takes for us to be reconciled to God. And what all we need to do is ask. Talk to God. Say something like this. Say, yes, God, I am a sinner. I do owe you a massive debt. A debt I can never repay. But thank you so much that Jesus died to pay my debt. Now, please, because of Jesus, because he died and rose again, Please forgive me my debts. Accept me when Jesus returns. Have you ever done that? Hopefully you did it at the beginning of the service today. We prayed a similar prayer to that, didn't we, together? But if you haven't done it, if you haven't done it in your heart, friend, do it now. Do it now. Jesus could come back any time. He will bring this world to a fiery end. We will stand before God in judgment. We need more than anything to be ready. We need to be reconciled to God. That was question one. Have you been reconciled to God? Second question is this. 
Are you faithfully serving Jesus? I mean, that manager in Jesus' story, he'd been given plenty of staff. In fact, basically, he's been given the whole estate, hasn't he? He's got a job to do, and he's got a choice. Do what the master says, look after the other servants, or else serve himself. Exploit the servants, indulge himself, make himself comfortable. How would you characterise your life? Would you say that you have dedicated your life to serving Jesus? You look after the people in your care? Faithfully fulfil the tasks that God has given you? Or is your life really a life of serving yourself? Of making yourself comfortable? Of of indulging yourself? Friends, Jesus says something here in this passage that I reckon should make people like us feel quite uncomfortable just jump back with me to verse 48 verse 48 Jesus says this verse 48 from everyone who has been given much much will be demanded from everyone who has been given much much will be demanded do you know what friends No one in history has been given more than we have. We know more about Jesus in the Bible than pretty much anyone ever. You know, the average minister in the world today has had three months of theological education. You know way more about Jesus and the Bible than 99% of ministers in the world. You have more resources More money, better health, better education than pretty much anybody ever. But friends, Jesus hasn't given us these things for us to just make ourselves comfortable. Jesus wants us to serve him. So are you doing it? That's two questions. Have you been reconciled to God? Are you serving Jesus faithfully? Last question, question number three. Are you ready to keep trusting Jesus, even if it means division and opposition? Can be hard, can't it? Hard, especially when the people you love reject Jesus. Your parents, your your children. I remember one time when my son Joshua was little, he said to me, Dad, do you think you'll be happy in heaven? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty confident I'll be happy in heaven he said dad do you love me I went yeah of course I adore you Joshua I love you he said well what if I don't trust in Jesus and I go to hell how are you going to be happy in heaven if I'm in hell (laughs) he's like eight years old or something at the time what a question I thought about it and, and I thought about it And then with with tears streaming down my face, I said to him, Joshua, in heaven I trust that I will be so in tune with God, so aligned with God, that I will rejoice in his just judgment, even of you. I will say that what God has done is good and right. And so even if you give up on Jesus, 
I will keep going with him anyway. Okay, he said and skipped off. <laughs> well, meanwhile, I just dissolved in tears and was totally destroyed for about three days. <laughs> Collapsed in a blubbering heap. Tough conversation, but that's the call we need to make, isn't it? It's like that old, is it a Billy Graham song? We need to be able to say, though none go with me, yet will I follow. No turning back, no turning back. We need to keep serving Jesus, even if it means division, even if it means opposition, even if those closest to us don't come with us. Well, nowadays, my wife, Carmelina, often goes off on trips. She's off to Brisbane again next week. She goes interstate. She goes overseas, speaking engagements, that kind of thing. And, and I get left at home to manage the house. Now, I have to say, I'm much better at it than I was at the age of 16. I try to keep the place clean. I don't allow any drug-addled parties to have at my house, uh, to happen at my house. I, I make sure that the children are relatively well-fed, if you don't mind KFC and relatively clean and that kind of thing. Uh, now, there's usually a bit of a clean-up on the day before Carmelina returns, but I do try to serve faithfully, ready to, for Carmelina to return in judgment. Um, <laughs> friends, soon Jesus will return. Could be any time. So are you ready? Have you been reconciled to God? Are you serving Jesus faithfully? Will you keep going, even if it means opposition? Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your wonderful mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank and praise you that he has died and risen again to pay the full price for our sin, to fully pay off our debt so that we can be your friends and not your enemy, so that we can be ready for his return, so that on that day we will be saved from your judgment and we can look forward to being with you forever. Do, Father, please, by your spirit, help us to trust Jesus and be reconciled to you. Help us to serve Jesus faithfully, even if it means opposition. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.